and welcome to this brand new football podcast called Under the Lights. Just before the episode starts, I'd like to let you know that we did record in a pub, so there is a bit of background noise and we've done our best to reduce it. So, with that in mind, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this, the first episode of this brand new podcast where we'll be talking all things football, all things Saints. My name is Callum Wilson. And my name is Tom Murray and this is Under the Light. Welcome to this first episode of the new podcast Under the Lights. My name's Tom Murray. So, Callum and I know each other from providing audio description commentary at St Mary's for Southampton home games. We do this for Alan Mart Sport, and it's basically providing a commentary for blind and visually impaired fans within the stadium, a second by second update on what's going on in the match, where the ball is all the time. So, this has been happening for a year, that's how long the service has been up for, and we'd really like you to take you in future episodes into a match day experience of what it's like to provide this audio description commentary. Before each game, we provide about 45 minutes of pre-match build-up, a bit of chat about the match, and uh, this is what this podcast is hopefully going to be all about, really. Yeah, so as I said, me and Tom know each other, uh, known each other for last season's first time um, this was introduced by Alamut Sport at St Mary's, um, and, and as we say, we, we talk all things um, related to that fixture on the match day for about 40-45 minutes, and it's something that we, uh, we want to take into to a podcast, um, see how that goes. The idea of this particular podcast is that we have episodes where we talk about all things football, all things topical, um, general Premier League football, and then we also have another strand where we do episodes relating specifically to Southampton Football Club, both me and Tom, uh, obviously associated with the club, but also big fans, and really this is something that um, we want all fans to be able to, to interact with, um, and then obviously with the Saints part, you know, Saints fans to get involved, and anyone else who wants to listen to it, but really we want this to be an interactive podcast, the idea is that, I mean we love football, we love talking about football, um, we've already had uh, a good response on Twitter with some questions which we'll look at at the end of this episode, which, which is great, um, but the idea is that we bring a different perspective to the game, um, a lot of podcasts will look at similar things, they'll look at previews, reviews of football matches, things like that. We like to do that, but we want to try and provide a, a bit of a different slant. Obviously, from our perspective, take you into St Mary's on a match day with us in the future where we we uh, get to go behind the scenes a little bit and, and prepare for what is a, a, an audio description service that, um, that we really enjoy doing, but also invite guests, fans of other teams, guests and people that we know um, and, and people that follow this podcast, provided questions, just to get people's perspectives on all things football and all things Saints. Uh, as we said, in the future, we do the service with, with um, Nick and Andy. We'd like to do an episode where we discuss specifically the audio description. Uh, we'd like to do episodes where we speak to fans about different games. We know we know a Man United fan, a Liverpool fan, and that game's coming up. We'd like to li- get their perspectives and, and, and talk about those sorts of things. But generally discuss things that the media and most podcasts maybe don't talk about uh, and just to give uh, hopefully an intriguing and um, entertaining topic of, of discussion every time we do this. We'll, we'll debate, we'll agree on things, we'll disagree on things and we'll, we'll talk, um, as, as we say, all things football in this particular one. It's going to be a, a general football conversation. Um, today's episode, specifically about the transfer window. Um, and what we want to try and achieve in this first episode is that we, we go through every Premier League team and myself and Tom um, have compiled a list of one player per team that we feel uh, they should sign, maybe a position they need strengthening. Certain teams in the Premier League need to strengthen in a number of areas, a lot more areas than others, uh, not mention any names, but we'll go through in alphabetical order, um, obviously starting with Arsenal, who we believe uh, they could do, do with before the new season starts. Only three weeks left in the transfer window, Tom. Absolutely. It's, the Premier League season is coming really, really quickly, and Arsenal seem to have a bit of a problem in defence with Koscielny not wanting to play for them anymore and fans getting on the back of, um, of Mustafi. I've, personally, I, I saw there uh, in the press there signing uh, Saliba, who is an 18-year-old centre-back, very highly rated. I think he could be a real coup for Arsenal to get him. 
he could be one of the better defenders in world football in the future and there's, that's one player I think they should definitely be going all guns blazing to, to sign considering that other teams the big teams are after him as well it'll be a typical Arsenal signing um, young look into the future they, you're right I, I agree completely centre back is where they need to strengthen first and foremost it'll probably strengthen a few places but they've I mean, they've, they've struggled previously. They've brought in uh, Socrates. They've brought in Lich Steiner at right back. Uh, they've got Mustafi. Now Koscielny seems to uh, be forcing his way out. But what, what none of those players had when they bought them is Premier League experience. And in my opinion, they need to bring in a player that, um, as you said, the, the, the lad you're talking about bringing in is one maybe for the future. I think Arsenal needs someone who's going to slot straight in they know can defend in the Premier League. Um, and that's why I think when we're talking about £80 million for Maguire, £70 million for Delit, Koulibaly over £100 million, um, Toby Alderweireld at Spurs has a release clause of just £25 million. And although that's not a bridge many players <laughs> like to cross, when you think about it, if Arsenal, who don't like to spend a lot of money, can, can pay £25 million and Toby Alderweireld can slot straight into that defence, he's great on the ball, He's a leader at the back and he's a proven Premier League defender, which I think is what they need. And he's ready to go in there and try and get them in the top four straight away. And from a, from a point of view of, of a logistical point of view, he obviously lives in the area. It's not going to really make too much difference to him and you know, his family or, or, or people around him. So um, for me, £25 million, pounds, I'm extremely surprised that no one's already jumped on that in the last season, last few transfer windows really. But he would make a big difference to Arsenal. Absolutely, and going now on to a new promoted side, Aston Villa, they've already spent £100 million in transfers, and I have to admit, none of them really jump out at me, out at me as good signings, so no offence to um, Saints player Matt Target, £17 million is a very good amount of money that we've got for someone who I consider to not maybe be the Premier League experience that you're looking for. However, they've made a signing from the Belgian league called Wesley, now he... I is someone that I rate. I've seen him a few times and he looks quite strong, quite powerful. However, you need someone, I think, who's already adapted to English football. And I think Neil Morpé at Brentford, he's had a staggeringly good season last season. Um, he already knows the English game. Yes, the Premier League is a step up. He's, it's one that I think that he can make. But Aston Villa, they need to score goals if you need to survive in the Premier League. And I think he's one who could really lead the line for them. Really impressed with Morpé, especially at the beginning of last season. He was a top goal scorer for a long time at Brentford with no disrespect to Brentford, but don't don't have the forward players, obviously, that Aston Villa do to supply. I, I agree with you on this one as well, is that they need a striker because uh, they need to replace Tammy Abraham, who, who looks like he's going to stay with Chelsea. The problem for Aston Villa, and you say they've already spent a lot of money, is that they've, they have to spend 70 to 80 million just to get the squad back to what it was at the end of last season because they had so many, uh, so many loan players, one of which is Tyrone Mings. They've just spent £25 million on him. When you compare that to Toby Alderweireld, who we've just spoken about, the same amount of money, it, it seems quite ridiculous. But he was a big turning point in their season, so I understand that. Matt Target, again, a lot of money, but he's young and he's been playing in the Premier League for a good few seasons. He knows what it's about. And there are a number of players they could buy in. Again, Premier League experience is vital for, uh, for a player that Aston Villa bring in because they don't have many players with that experience. Um, and... In my opinion, having spent so much money already, I think it would be an absolute coup if they could bring in Danny Welbeck on a free transfer. Um, England international, played at Man United, played at Arsenal, doesn't quite get in the side, is a centre forward, played out of position a lot, a lot. And I know the main thing with Welbeck will be his injury record, but I'm sure it's something that you could you could get a contract for him um, where you're not paying out too much money on weekly wages if you're spending six months on the sidelines but he would score a lot of goals for Aston Villa I'm sure of it Absolutely and he because even though he's been released by Arsenal he's not a bad player he's someone who has that experience and when you come up to the Premier League whilst you want to build your squad have a really good squad of players that you can that can keep you up you need also that Premier League experience Moving on to Bournemouth now they've had they've had a good couple of last seasons they've started really quickly maybe faded away towards the end there um, last season especially wasn't uh, the end that they would have been looking for I think it was relegation form at some point but Bournemouth they for me there's not a player that stands out for me that they need to sign I think what's more important and with the contract renewal of Callum Wilson they need to keep players like Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser it's, cause otherwise it could become like Southampton a few years ago where they lost all of their players in, in, in one go I think if 
it's key for them to keep the players, those attacking players, and build from that. Yeah, I, I agree. That's going to be the main priority for Eddie Howe. It's going to be keeping the likes of Ryan Fraser, uh, Callum Wilson, who have had a great impact, and, and big teams have been sniffing around them. Uh, but every team you know, needs to strengthen, and he will be looking to bring in players here and there. Um, I just feel the only place really that I think they might be a little bit lightweight and can maybe do with another player is, is central midfield and have a bit of a ball player that can can tackle, can do a bit of everything. They've got Lerma, who's a bit of a bully in there. They've got Lewis Cook, who's very good on the ball, but he has his injury problems. And um, I'd just be really interested to see if they can make an approach for someone like Danny Drinkwater, who hasn't played a Premier League winner, but hasn't really played at Chelsea for a long time. The only thing would be new new manager in Lampard is Drinkwater and the centre midfielder. Is he the sort of player that he wants to keep at the club? Does he have a choice? Because players... Obviously, they can't sign anyone, Chelsea. But I'd imagine the likes of Mason Mount are going to be ahead of him. Jorginho's been bought for big money. And Danny Drinkwater is someone with, with good Premier League pedigree and would add some real quality, I think, for a player who's not played for about two years consistently at Bournemouth. And we've got to remember that he is part of a, a, one of those key parts of Leicester's title-winning season. Absolutely. And that is invaluable experience. I mean, yes, it was a complete shock that Leicester did get that, but... He had the quality that season to keep it up entirely. And Pro- this also his um, his link-up play with with Jamie Vardy. That'd be something that I think Callum Wilson would absolutely thrive on. Especially, and if they manage to keep Ryan Fraser who's being linked with moves away, that's more pace up front that they can he can feed balls into. Now the next team, Brighton, is a difficult one for me. And I was chatting to a friend of mine about this. In the Premier League, you need to have at least one player in your team that you can look at and think they're a game-changer. Southampton have got, like last season they had Nathan Redmond, Crystal Palace have got Wolf and Zaha, especially for teams um, who are not in the big six, who are not challenging for top eight football. You need a, a person that can just change something like Spartan. I don't think Brighton have that. They've signed a winger from Genk, um, Trossard, who is quite highly rated, again, they, last season they signed Jachenbach and he was meant to be incredible in the Dutch league but he couldn't adapt to English football now not necessarily you're going to bring that spark but I think a player like Shinji Okazaki up front could bring a difference to uh, the, their strike force they have players like Murray and Done who don't really offer variety up front whereas I think Okazaki can be that annoyance that might make Brighton a bit more tenacious in the attack I think it's a great shout. I think um, Shinji Okazaki, is he still with Leicester? Is he, he got released free agent? at the end of the season. Well, there you go, free agent. But he, he made a massive difference to Leicester and, and was a big reason, underrated reason for them winning the title. Um, along the same lines, actually, with yourself, we've been pretty consistent in, in this. I've, I've thought, I mean, Brighton, for me, aren't good enough and they're going to struggle, especially now they've gotten rid of Chris Hewton, um, brought in uh, Potter, who's, who's untried in this league. Um, and what they were so good at was being solid in defence with Duncan Duffy. Chris Hewton would set up really strong at the back, and they conceded a lot of goals last season, but the main thing is that they over-rely on Glenn Murray for goals, and Glenn Murray isn't going to be around forever, and they do need variety out there because Lacardia uh, is a player that doesn't really stretch defences, and Doné is a player, a more of a technical player. Lacardia's got strength, but they haven't, they haven't done it, and again, I'd harp on about it, but these players have come from other leagues and they haven't done the business. You need someone that you know is going to get you maybe 10 goals a season um, and also give you a variety. And I think the other player that plays for them that will get goals, who was injured last season, was Gross. And that made a big difference to them because they were over-reliant on one player. <clears throat> Knockout looks like he's going to go to Fulham, which would be a good signing for them. So they are short in the department of goals. Um, and I think... Someone like Dwight Gale would be a good signing for Brighton because he wouldn't cost them a lot of money, but he stretches defences, he plays in behind, he gives them a different dynamic up front, and he's scored goals everywhere he's been. He went to Crystal Palace, been at West Brom, he's been at Newcastle, and he scored for all of those teams. He is back at Newcastle now after the swap deal with Rondon, um, and that and they will come on to Newcastle, but they're like Brighton, they're short on the goal score in front. But Steve Bruce is coming, and it really depends. Is 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 he going to look at Gale as a way of generating some money to bring in a striker that he wants, or is he going to come in and look at it and say he's pretty much the only striker we've got now, so I'm mm. not going to get rid of him? Mm. But he he's got pace and he brings goals, and Brighton really do need another dynamic player up front. 
they really do. I feel that Brighton, especially last season, were quite quite slow as a team, lacking pace. And I think someone like Okazaki, someone like Dwight Gale can definitely bring that to the side. Burnley, now, first game of the season for Southampton. They, they've actually made the signing that I think is the best one for them at the moment, and that's bringing Jay Rodriguez back home. Um, Jay was really, really good last season in the championship. I'll be in the championship. I was really pleased as, as, as a former Southampton player, I was really pleased that he's managed to find a place where he can score lots of goals because uh, it obviously didn't work out after his injury at, at Saints. And for Burnley to have that home player up front for you, have the fans really behind that signing, I think it can only be a good thing for Burnley as someone, as a team that do need a bit more pace up front. They don't want to just play the long ball all the time and you want to have a bit of a a bit of pace than Joe Rodriguez is your man. Absolutely. Um, for me, it's, it's not one that you will um, will take up the back pages, but it's a, it'll be a typical Burnley signing in that they uh, like players that are British or Irish, uh, work hard, not not particularly a player that's uh, you know technically like a number 10, a luxury player. Burnley don't work like that under Sean Dodge. But what they do play is a 4-4-2 with two big strikers up front, and Joe Rodriguez adds to that, he's good in the air. Uh, so they need service. They've got Goodmanson. They've got Brady, who's come back from injury. But one of the best crossers in the league, for me, is Mark Albrighton. And he's not going to get a look in, I don't think, at Leicester this season. They're so strong in midfield. They've made signings in that area again. Um, set pieces, that right foot is he, terrific. And he's also a player that not only can just cross the ball, but where he's needed to for Leicester, he's often put a stint in at right back, which is another position I think Burnley need to recruit because they've got Lowton and Bardsley and neither of them really have commanded that position and they're not Premier League quality so so an industrial player with a really good right foot and a really good service for, for two big men in the box I think Mark Albrighton would uh, would be cheap and would, would really fit the model for Burnley and especially if that's the um the style of play is getting the ball into the box then you're going to want someone who's going to provide a brilliant cross and Albrighton is a very good shout we haven't actually put for the next team, for Chelsea, we haven't actually put um, a player that they should sign because obviously they can't. And that's <coughs> going to be Lampard's biggest challenge is, I think, playing uh, players that are out on loan last season who've done really, really well. We saw Mason Mount play for Derby at um, Southampton in the FA Cup and he almost ran the midfield. He was absolutely brilliant, I thought. And I think next season, whilst they can't make uh, any signings, yes, they got Pulisic, good signing will bring a lot to their game um, playing people like Mason Mount can only be good for Chelsea because they can promote that youth and I think Lampard having managed Derby is going to use that to, to his advantage I mean, there's no doubt that I mean, we're not going to talk much about Chelsea because they can't sign anyone so um, in terms of signings we're not going to suggest anyone but they've got Lampard in they've made a signing obviously as the first team coach and he's going to have to do what he did at Derby on a bigger scale and promote the youth, which is something that Chelsea have needed for a long, long time. They've got the, some of the best academy players. They're all out on loan in Holland and everywhere else. The amount of players they've got on their books that don't make it through, this might be the, the kick that they need to actually start promoting the likes of Abraham, Tamori, Mount and other players they've got on the books. The biggest problem for them is that they've sold Eden Hazard and they can't replace him um, and for that reason I think Chelsea are definitely going to struggle this season I really do especially he again he's that player who can change a game in an instant and well he's one of the best players in the world to have him in your side yeah. can only, is, is just only going to benefit you let's, and um, let's talk Palace because they can sign players and the, uh, the rumours going around at the moment is that Zaha is going to generate a lot of money for them so they're going to have money to spend uh, in my opinion they just need a striker they need a centre-forward, they need, they've got a lot of good wide players, a lot of good midfielders, they can service someone, but Benteke's not worked out, Zaha had to play up front last season, they've got Ayu, who really isn't a Premier League striker, um, I, I could see them going out and taking Mitrovic, and he would, he would be, it would cost money, but they'll have the money, and he would really fit into their, their system, he's someone that I think they should have just poached early on, really. I, th I agree, Mitrovic, I'm afraid, I think is going to have to be a missed one because only recently he signed a new deal at Fulham which is going to make him really either really expensive to try and get or just not get at all. Um, I, I agree completely that they do need a striker. I know I suggested him for Aston Villa, but Morpé, I think, is a good one to get. Again, physical striker, quick striker. Palace need a striker. 
I mean, I've said the word striker quite a few times, but they really do need one. Benteke hasn't worked out. And aside from Miller, um, Milivojevic with Zaha leaving they don't really have anyone else who's going to get them the goals yeah, he scores with, from the spot and from free kicks as well doesn't yeah. he and with Wan-Bissaka going to Manchester United that money plus the Zaha money yeah. they're going to have a lot to spend it's whether the players actually want to come to them and Morpé could end up being really expensive if they were going to go there because Brentford will see that they'll say yeah. you have a lot of money we're going to bleed you dry for that as much as possible Morpé's an interesting one and I know you say that Mitrovic has signed a new deal but, I mean, what does that mean in this day and age? All, all it means is that Fulham are in a position to, to ask for a price. And he did fantastically in the Championship. But someone like Mitrovic is, is a Premier League player. He's a pain in the arse, um, really. And even if they don't manage to sign him this window, depend on how Fulham are doing next season, I could see him going in January. But he's, hmm. he, he scores goals in the Premier League. He's an excellent player. Everton look like they're going to have a good season. They're in for some big players. They've made some good signings already. Obviously, got Gomez on a, on a permanent. What do you What do you think of Everton? What do they need? Again, striker is a position I think they need it because they've bought a lot of attacking players. And yes, they got Richarlison, who's actually worked for them, but Tosin hasn't worked out. Dominic Calvert-Lewin always looks like he's going to break through and be the leading line, um, lead the line. But I think if Everton really want to challenge towards the top half of the table and in, try and break into that top six, then they're going to need to sign. Um, an even better striker. Yes, the, the problem they had a few years ago under Koeman was they signed loads of... Their squad is bulging with attacking midfielders who are pretty similar to each other. They need to have a striker that can feed off these attacking midfielders. Gomez, I thought, was a terrific signing for them. I don't know if it's too out of their reach. Maybe going for someone like Moussa Dembele, maybe going for Depay from Lyon. Just someone to... If they, if they can get that kind of player just someone to give them something else up front because at the moment I think striker is the position that they're lacking in they need goals they've needed goals and a replacement since Lukaku left um, Everton and yeah I, I think they're in, they're in that position where they could get what you'd call quite a shock signing they've signed players from Barcelona not first team players but they're, they're just below the top six and they need to push on I think they could potentially have a chance of getting uh, Duban Zapata who scored a lot of goals for Atlanta is a big reason for them last season getting all the way into the Champions League that might be the only sticking point will he drop out of the Champions League to go to Everton but the thing with that is he's dropping the Champions League for the Premier League and for a team with a lot of ambition he's similar in the way that he plays to Lukaku was there he's very strong he's very quick um, he hasn't always scored a lot of goals but last season he was one of the top goal scorers in all competitions in European football and Hopefully not as a one-season wonder, but he's a sort of player that can play up front for Everton that they've been trying to sign and trying to look for for the last few seasons. Got too many number tens; they need a number nine, um, and I would certainly look look towards him and at least attempt to uh, to sign him. He was on loan from Sampdoria to Atlanta last season, which is amazing because he did nothing for uh, for Sampdoria, and then they've sent him on loan to Atlanta. And he's gotten them into the Champions League. <laughs> uh, not, not on his own, obviously. But he'd be the sort of player I think Everton need. We agree that a big, bustling centre-forward is important for them. Because they're going to look to get into European football. As are the next team on the list, who I think are in a very similar position in uh, Leicester City. And strangely enough, Moussa Dembele was a player that I've put down for them. Because I don't think they need a lot. They signed Jose Perez as the kind of player that I was suggesting Dembele would be as another option up front, maybe someone to play up there or off of Vardy. Their midfield is so strong. Defensively, they've got options. I think they're in a really good position to push for the top six this season. Absolutely. I think this could be um, the season that, well, like in 2016, teams do a Leicester. I think Leicester could do it, do it again, not, not necessarily win the league, not, not by a long shot, but not with Liverpool and Manchester City battling between each other but they can certainly break into that top six break into maybe the top four if the likes of Chelsea Man United are going to struggle this season I think whilst I think they really paid over the odds for Jose Perez I think 30 million is vastly more than vastly more than his actual quality I'm not saying he's a bad player but I just don't th I just think they've massively overpaid but the permanent signing of Yuri Til Tillemans is in my opinion, I think we'll be signing of the season. He is a fantastic midfielder. He's young. He played 
brilliantly for them last season, and Leicester did very well to actually get him to come back on a permanent with all the other big sides uh, crowding around him trying to get him. But Tielemans, for me, is 40 million almost seems cheap for a player of his quality, and um, I think he will be their key player this season. Yes, you've got Vardy, but Tielemans in the midfield is just a fantastic signing for a, a club the size of Leicester. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, Tielemans is a fantastic signing, and Leicester in a good position under Brendan Rodgers to push on. Um, now we go to uh, Liverpool, European champions. Haven't got a lot of, of weaknesses really. Didn't didn't manage to to win the league, although they accrued a vast amount of points. Um, how do they close the gap? Well, not close the gap. How do they overtake Man City? How do they finally get that Premier League? Medal. Well, that's the million-dollar question, really, because with Manchester City at the strength they are at, they're at, and Liverpool at the strength they're at, it's just a case of who can who who will be the only side to trip up, really, in that one game. So Liverpool both have they, they both have world-class attack force, world-class midfields, world-class defenders. It's difficult to actually find a place where you can improve them as a side. For Liverpool, is this is a player that's been. To, um, Tutted to go to many of the larger Euro- European sides, but Nicolas Pepe at Lille, um, for me, is the one that they should go after because it's only going to add to their squad having a player of his pace. And when the likes of Sadio Mane, Salah, Firmino, when either one of them may be out injured for a little bit, they bring in Shakiri. He's a good player, um, but I think if you can actually maybe not bring in Shakiri and you can bring in Pepe instead, then you're practically replacing the same quality for the same quality, whereas Shakiri maybe is more of a squad player for them. So is, is Pepe someone that would start for them? Because that front three is, is really settled, is massive for Liverpool, and it'd be, it'd be about £70 million for him. So is he someone that would, would just sit on the bench? Who does he replace, potentially? Again, a very difficult question. I just feel that um, Liverpool, you, you can always use score depth and competition is always healthy you don't want to have those front three as good as they are settling into some sort of right thinking they're never going to be displaced at the team and if you can have Pepe in your in your squad it's only going to push the qualities of the other players up as well as they're all battling to get that one spot pretty much absolutely and it covers injuries and if they're if they need a goal they can bring on another attacker or freshen things up um, I'm looking at the same sort of thing although centre forward because Firmino does what he does so well Salah sometimes plays up there but they don't Apart from Origi, who he's got some valued goals for them, but is, is he the man to spearhead an attack uh, to win the Premier League? You can argue not. Um, Timo Werner is, is a player who's been actually has been given an ultimatum uh, recently by RB Leipzig. Young goal scorer, very quick, very pacey, plays off the last man. Really, a centre forward that Liverpool don't have. Just gives them another option. Uh, a lot of years in him. It's the sort of player that. Klopp loves. He's obviously German as well, so he knows he knows a lot about him, and he's someone that can that can develop and can can add goals. It can add to that sort of high press that they play. Um, and really, like you said, he's someone that wouldn't get straight into the team necessarily because the front three is so good. But Liverpool don't really need to strengthen massively anywhere. They're looking at a left back cover for Robertson. They're looking at players that can you know they're sitting midfield. They've got five six players there. So Liverpool, much like Man City, we're going to go on to next. It's about bringing in someone that they can replace, like you said, like, like for like in terms of quality. Absolutely, and it's, it's funny you say Werner for Liverpool. I've actually think that Werner is a player who could really suit City at the moment. Yes, they've got, again, fantastic attacking players. Maybe next summer they need to think about uh, replacing David Silva. They might even do that this year uh, with him uh, saying that he will leave at the end of the next season. But focusing on that, they've got Gabriel Jesus didn't have the season last season that I thought he was going to have. Um, it actually disappointed me, especially after he came in with a bang in his first season for Manchester City. Aguero, he's a brilliant player, and you underestimate him at your peril. But he's getting older. They need someone to uh, come in for him. Jesus has got to step up, but I feel that they should bring in another striker because um, Timo Werner has the qualities, I think, that will work wonders in a Pep Guardiola side I think really the thing um, like, like you say with Aguero getting older I mean Man City are so good that they don't need to replace any players apart from the ones that they're going to need to replace due to age they bought in Rodri because Fernandinho's not getting any younger 
but Fernandinho is still a fantastic player. They just they tend to sign players in advance, and I think they've already done that for David Silva. You mentioned because I think we'll see a lot more of um, Bernardo Silva in that position, even Phil Foden even, as and well. Phil Foden as well. Even though we saw a lot of of uh, Bernardo Silva in that position because of De Bruyne's injury, but I feel like he was brought in as a as a replacement for David Silva. But I think we'll see a lot of Phil Foden, which will excite England fans um, and City fans because he's he's an English lad. I've I've looked at the other end of the pitch uh, because the only other player that they've they've lost is Vincent Company, and they've got Laporte who's going to play left centre back. They've got Stones, Notamendi, and I think maybe that's a weakness for them because they're not. I don't think they're quite good enough for Man City, and I would I. I had down for Man City and Man United uh, De Ligt because they both need him for very different reasons. He's such a good footballer. He's so young. He's a leader, which they, which they have lost from, from Vincent Company. He's great in the air. He's from Ajax, so he can play. And he's young. And I don't understand why the, no no players, uh, no teams in the Premier League really went for him. He's just signed for Juve for about £67 million. Pounds. But um, the other one... Potentially, if they want to splash out, is Koulibaly from from Napoli, who's been touted for again for the likes of Man United, Liverpool, you know anyone, anyone who's anyone. He's a fantastic player. He's pacey, which may be something you could argue. Company, well, company definitely didn't have, but maybe they lack a little bit. Laporte's quite quick, um, and and he's he's just an all-round top centre back. But I think that would be the only position. Obviously, you say striker with Aguero going soon and and Silva, but right now. With company having gone, get that fourth centre back in, um, and I think he'll, well, he would definitely start alongside the Port, no doubt, and that would be a formidable back line. Mm. Now, City's rivals, Manchester United, they're not really going through the best of times at the moment. Solskjaer was meant to be at the wheel, and whilst he was for the first 11 games or so, that now has turned into a bit of animosity from the fans. They've been promised a, a clear out over the summer and a lot of quality brought in, but so far, they've brought in two, and the likes of Young, Matter, they've you know they've been given given more um, more years on their contract. United for me, the two signings, Wan Bissaka and Daniel James, a bit underwhelming if you're a Man United fan. Yes, Wan Bissaka is a very good player, but Wan Bissaka bought for 50 million. You you're going to think that's a signing United should be making every summer anyway. Daniel James, four goals in the Championship, but he's highly rated. Can he make the step up to the Premier League? If, is he going to go straight into the starting eleven? Probably not. I think United, to get their fans back, they need to sign a big player. They need to sign a really big player. Whether they still have that pull now with so many better teams than them is different. Someone maybe from the Italian league like Perisic, maybe like Icardi, up from just to add their attacking lines. They're going to get rid of um, Lukaku, maybe a swap deal with Inter Milan or something. They need to have a player that can um, make their fans go wow because at the moment it's not all harmony at Manchester United no I, I, I also get completely what you're saying in terms of, of, of buying a big player to make a big statement I feel like that's where Man United have been going wrong in the last three four seasons since uh, since Van Gaal came in really they've bought big players unproven in the Premier League and how many of them have actually come off Paul Pogba's one they've spent loads on recently he's not he's not done the business he's not worked out for them um, they're looking to get rid of him Bacardi would be a player that is renowned for having a problem with his attitude and, and stirring things up, which is the last thing. Although he's a fantastic footballer and it would make sense with the Inter Milan swap, is he the kind of harmonious player that they want to bring into the club? They've deliberately changed what they're doing because they've spent too much money on rubbish. How much they're paying Alexis Sanchez a week? Ridiculous amounts. He isn't doing anything for them. I like Juan Basaka. 50 million is a lot of money, however, you're getting a lot of years out of him and your fullbacks with him and Shaw, young English fullbacks, you're set for a long time now. And that's just a going rate these days. Yeah. Um, centre back, they need someone. And again, I've got Delit slash Koulibaly. Obviously, Delit now having gone, but he would have been perfect for them with his age, um, his leadership, something that they lack all over the pitch. They do not have a single leader in that team, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know who would be a captain of that team. And personally, I think the centre-back is what they need. Pepe is another player. I mean, Manchester United need too many players, but Pepe, as you said, for Liverpool, he's someone that um, Man United could really do with as well. But for me, Manchester United needs to stop moving managers on. They need to give someone a chance to build a squad. 
and what they're doing now, James signed with potential, Wambasaka the same, uh, long staff they're trying to get, I mean it's not £50 million, he's barely played a handful of games in the Premier League for Newcastle, but I see what they're trying to do, uh, and at the same time you want to bring in someone who can help them now, because the more they go on not being in the Champions League, the less attractive they're going to be for, for, as a potential suitor for a player, but centre-back is something that they need to sort and they need to sort quickly so if they do go out and spend loads of money on someone like Koulibaly I mean De Ligt would have been perfect for them I don't think Harry Maguire for that amount of money is is a great move for Manchester United I still think they leave goals with him in the team he hasn't got the pace uh, but yeah a, a, a winger it's just going to be replacements for players as well Pogba goes they're going to have to spend money on the centre midfielder so it's a, it's a few transfer windows for Manchester United rather than uh, rather than just the one signing. I completely agree. Now, going on to a side that are in complete disarray at the moment, Newcastle United. Yes, they've just appointed Steve Bruce. They finally have a manager after Rafa Benitez. Well, it was quite shocking for them that he's gone away. It seemed at the start of the summer that they were going to get a lot of uh, investment from that takeover. That is yet to materialise. They've, in the process, they've not been able to secure the services of Rondon. They've got rid of Hosselu. They're desperate for a goal scorer. Yeah. Their only striker at the moment is Muto, I believe. Yes, and he was meant to do quite well in their uh, recent pre-season game. But they've got Dwight Gale, but we've already established that Brighton are going to come in and sign him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that's pretty much guarantee. For me, Danny Welbeck. If you're looking yep. for, a, a, it's going to be a quick fix. But for Newcastle, if they if they if the takeover doesn't happen, one well, if the takeover does happen, they have a very short space of time to actually make these signings. Um, I don't think it's going to happen personally. I don't know the ins and outs of Newcastle, so but that's just what it looks like for me. Welbeck, it's a quick fix, and Newcastle, they're going to this season for them is purely about staying up, in my opinion. And I think if you need a striker, you need goals, you need Premier League experience. Danny Welbeck is your man. Yeah, yeah, and it's for the same reason as I said, uh, is someone Aston Villa should go for. And actually, I've got a couple of players, and I was thinking which would suit which team better and I was going between Aston Villa and Newcastle because they need a similar sort of player um, I agree with you as well I mean they've, they've just bought in Steve Bruce and they've got three weeks left of the transfer window so if anything's going to happen it's going to have to happen fast for, for Newcastle United I think they're in a lot of trouble I think top to bottom in the club is toxic and I've seen clubs like this at, at this point just before the season and they've ended up rock bottom or certainly got relegated um, more talk about not going to the games boycotting all those sorts of things Newcastle need a striker, as as we've established. Um, and whilst Danny Welbeck is is a good player, and like we've said before about his injury problems, another one similar is uh, that's been talked about is a potential return for Danny Welbeck. Uh, not Danny Welbeck, sorry, um, Andy Carroll. If they sign Welbeck or they sign an Andy Carroll, then they need to sign a another as well up front, in my opinion. Because if they turn up and they get injured, then they are stuck with just Muto and potentially Gale uh, but it's a fantastic idea to sign one of those players Carol Welbeck someone like that because it's a free transfer so it's, it's not a free hit because you've got to pay the wages but it's another option it's another player in the squad um, I've, I've looked again at uh, a player from abroad because Newcastle were a team that have had success and fans favourite so over the years you think of the Espriers you think of the Cissé and Bar um, duo and um, along those lines another Senegalese centre forward who's been banging in the goals in Turkey um, Diagne I believe I don't know if it's pronounced that way but he's he only moved to Galatasaray in uh, January he's a centre forward uh, Senegalese player and if he can get a couple of goals under his belt he could soon be a cult hero and a sort of player that Newcastle United fans uh, really warm to um, scores penalties he's a real box sort of between the between the posts six yard box sort of predator of a goal scorer um, he's just obviously at the uh, just lost the final the African Cup of Nations with Senegal um, played a lot of games there played a lot of games off the bench but he's he's a player now that on his way back getting ready for the season someone that I think Newcastle potentially could take a punt on but I mean then he plays all over the pitch they need a, a change of uh, they've just had a change of manager. The fans aren't happy with that. They need a change of owner. They need a lot of things, but changes of players all over the pitch is, is another thing they need because they haven't. They still haven't got a Premier League squad, in my opinion. They haven't had since they returned to the Premier League, and they've just lost, lost Rafa Benitez, who is considered to be the reason that they've stayed up until now. So Steve Bruce is a good manager, but 
I think they haven't had the preparation. They've not caught the pre-season under the belt. See, Bruce has got to come in and fix things from the off because they could go through their first few games of the season without getting many points and suddenly they're in a position where they're in real trouble. Um, just looking at the Newcastle fixtures to start with, they are, uh, they've, they've got, I mean, they've got Arsenal first game of the season, but they've got a really difficult run of fixtures where they play Tottenham, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, all within Leicester, all within the first sort of handful of games, maybe nine games. Um, so you can see them being in a position where after nine, ten games, they're in the relegation zone. Steve Bruce is getting pelters. Toxic at St James's Park. You know how it can get. But a centre forward to start with, they need goals. Uh, who's next team? Well, we've got Norwich next, where things are a bit more positive. Obviously, they're a newly promoted side to the uh, to the Premier League. They have, in my opinion, quite a, a a decent squad all round. They have a lot of good players. They've got um, uh, they got Pucky up front as a good striker for them. They've made a really good signing in uh, goal was Ralph Fairman from Schalke. So I, th- I personally really rate him. I think he will be excellent for the Premier League, especially for a team like Norwich. It's difficult to see where they can drastically improve a suggestion I've made is a player who wants out of Rangers they don't want him at the moment is Morelos he's okay I think he'll add a bit of bite to them yeah. not not literally obviously we don't want <laughs> to see that in the Premier League but I potentially think he's a bit of a hothead he, he is very much a hothead yes his disciplinary record is there for all to see but in the Premier League you got to you got to know the knack you got to um, be clever and I think that Morelos as a striker is a unexpected quantity almost not a lot of Premier League sides will have come up against a player like him and I think for Norwich in a, where they've got a, it's all, they're almost like Saints where they got promoted where you've got lots of good players and you're not maybe thinking where exactly do we need to improve but I think Norwich just an additional striker just to provide something different catch a few teams out because yeah. Norwich their season is going to be about survival uh, why not have a striker that's going to provide something different yeah well they've signed um, they've signed Dermich as um, I mean they play one up front they've got Pukki but we don't know if he's going to do what he did in the championship in the Premier League well he's not going to do that but can he can he hack it in the Premier League Dermich they've brought in from abroad as, as someone to potentially challenge there um, Patrick, Patrick Roberts I like that signing um, they, he's been brought in obviously a Manchester City uh, youth player done well at Celtic he'll, he'll provide um, some assists and some goals I think there their centre midfield is where they're strong Norwich and they score a lot of goals, and I don't think they need much doing there. Uh, what they do need is potentially, we see a lot of teams that come up whose back line gets torn to shreds, and I think there's a potential for that to happen to Norwich. If you're going to say any, anything from last season, they scored a lot of goals, but they didn't have the top, you know, they're not got the top record. defence record, and, and, and we'll see first game of the season at Anfield. I mean, that's the acid test. What they also don't have, apart from crawling goal, is anyone really, I mean, Teti, how much is he going to play? Um, they haven't got much Premier League experience. And although they've got a really good unit, I think it would be perfect for someone like uh, Gary Cahill to come in. I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money. I don't think they're going to sign many more signings. I've heard a lot about Norwich and, and how they want to try and keep the unity of the team together, sign a few players but not bring in a load of players and replace them like Fulham did. Do more of a Cardiff, maybe something in between, a bit more quality they've got than Cardiff going up, I believe. Um, they've, signed, they've signed well, but you put someone like Gary Cahill in there who knows from the back he can lead the team. He's a winner. Uh, he, I think he'll, he'll get them points, extra points in the season, which um, for me, I think they'll stay up anyway because they're on a crest of a wave and they have got some really good young players. The fullbacks are good than Aarons and Lewis. Just having someone next to them who's won everything there is to win and and to, to settle them down and to, to lead them, I think he'd be a perfect sign. And he's, You're not going to get the wages that he's on at Chelsea, but he's not going to get that anywhere. And he's a free agent, so you're almost spending money on the wages a little bit without paying a transfer fee, and I think he'd be perfect for them. And when it comes to paying the wages, you want to take... You want to take that hit. You want to take that risk, considering just how much um, uh, financial disparity there is between the Championship and the Premier League. You want to you want to place your bets on staying in the Premier League. Yeah. And a free transfer. Yes, it's going to be expensive wages, but you might as well take the hit yeah, if it's the, going to keep you up in the Premier League. And the point is as well that they're not going to sign a lot of players. Not going to do a Fulham. Not going to pay 100 million pounds and buy an entirely new starting eleven. Could be Aston Villa's downfall that. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we've already said that. that 
they're starting the season with without all their, a lot of loan players as well. So they're in a position there where they have to sign quickly just to get to the level where they were last season. But with Norwich, they've got good, they've got good players, and I've heard that one one to watch out for is uh, Emi Buendia, who's an attacking midfielder. Um, he's, he's got all the tricks. He's a really clever player, and he's he's a spark in their midfield, and I think he'll create a lot of goals for them. He was there last season. But he's he's a real talented player, and I'm looking forward to seeing Norwich next season. I think they will fare better than they did the last time they were in the Premier League, where they went straight back down. Um, going on to another promoted side, Sheffield United. This is a difficult one for me. They've, Chris Wilder, their manager, has said they're going to break their transfer window a couple more times in this window. Now that might sound like a lot to people, but this is uh, a team that Luke Freeman, one of their first signings of the window, actually broke their transfer record. I think he was signed for maybe four or five million. So. I've been on a few Sheffield United forums since they've been promoted, just trying to uh, get the the audio description thing out there, and I've read a few, couple of their threads where they th- the consensus amongst the fans is they've got a good starting eleven. It's where it's behind that that yeah. they're worried. They think their starting eleven, if you can play, if if they could stay fit the entire season and just play that, they'd be fine. Um, but beyond that, their squad depth is where they're lacking. I think, with that in mind. They should. He's not going to lead the club very well, but I think a player like Charlie Austin would be perfect for Sheffield United because, again, he scores goals wherever he goes. He scores goals, and I think if you can, maybe he's not going to start every game because they actually have a decent front line. You got um, McGoldrick, you got Sharp, but then if you can add Austin to that in the Premier League, that is almost guaranteed goals. Yeah, and. Sheffield United, I think, are really, really going to struggle unless they unless they make some really good signings. I think Sheffield United are going to be one of those teams that, unfortunately, I don't, I, I don't like it because I do like Sheffield United, but at the moment I can only see 19th or 20th for them. I'm really struggling as to where I'm going to put Sheffield United uh, in terms of prediction for the season because I know exactly what you're saying. In terms of actual quality, they're probably the, the bottom of the pile, but that doesn't always... I mean, they're the opposite to Aston Villa. They're, what they're doing is, is they're not signing any um, big stars. They're going into the championship and they're signing players that Chris Wilder knows, having played them. Um, Callum Robinson, Luke Freeman. Uh, they, they're, they're signing players that I, I feel they know a lot about. But also, they just add to the... They're a workman-like team. They haven't got any stars. They, they don't want to change too much going up. Although they have to because they have to add elements of quality. Charlie Austin, similar to Billy Sharp, Dave McGoldrick, you know, that front line isn't, isn't going to keep you in the Premier League. Um, they've just signed, I believe, or are on the verge of signing, Lee Smousset from Bournemouth. Again, not a massive star, but he obviously he provides something that, that fits into their model, and that's what they're doing. They're not changing things, they're doing what they know. They play three at the back with the underlapping um, centre-backs, and I'm looking forward to seeing if they carry on trying to do that and how that works in the Premier League. They've signed Phil Jagielka. He's gone back there. Um, obviously, he's, he's old, but he's experienced. Raval Morrison is a really strange one. I don't know how that's going to uh, how that's going to play out. But in my opinion, I, they should go and sign Bradley Dack because I think he's one of the best players in the Championship at Blackburn Rovers. Number ten uh, works hard, but he's, he's technically good and he adds he can add some goals. You know, almost in the in the late arrival sort of Frank Lampard type of player gets in the box, hard to pick up. And, and they know they know him from the championship. But, yeah, in my opinion, the players they've signed in terms of quality aren't great. But I think Chris Wilder and Sheffield United are a team that know how they play, know what fits, and are not going to bring anything in and put square pegs in round holes. They're just going to try and advance the quality that they've got in the model. And that's going to work one way or another. Either they're either not going to have the quality and they're going to get thumped, or they're going to... They're going to Surprise turn, a few yeah, teams. Turn, yeah, turn, turn up and, and surprise a few teams. And the regularity by which they play together and how they know and they know what they're asked to do. Those signers that have come in, Chris Wilder's going to ask them to do something and they're going to do it for him. And, and, and they're going to be committed 100%. Um, so Bradley Dack for me. Now, Southampton, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll brush through this one quickly because we'll, we'll do a podcast on, on Southampton. Um, in my opinion, and every Saints fan's opinion, we need a centre-back. Absolutely. First and foremost. Um, however, the person I've put in is a centre midfielder because I feel that's going to be the other type of player we need with Mario Lamina heading out the door. If you can go and get uh, Calvin Phillips from Leeds in the Championship, you've got a player 
who's early 20s, really good on the ball, holding midfielder, provides something else for Southampton, who are going to play with two central midfielders. He's, he's got a bit of height to him, he can put it about, but he's good on the ball as well. I think Leeds are looking for 25, 30 million for him. But although Southampton don't like to spend that kind of money and are looking to sign players that they can sell on for that amount or they can sign for 10, 15, 20 million and then bring on, he fits the model. He's young, he's English, and he's a player that can still be developed by Rampart's model. Absolutely, and I think, again, the place they need to really, really um, uh, sign a player is, of course, in centre-back. Whilst I, um, I agree that Calvin Phillips would be a really good signing for Southampton, again, you want to get as many good midfielders as possible. Last season, it was a case of like which which midfield which midfield is going to play who offers what. I think that position needs to be put to the side for the moment and concentrate on centre back. It's an ambitious one, but signing a Pamecano from Leipzig would be a sensational signing for <laughs> Southampton. People may say that's far too ambitious, but. He's worked with Hasenhutl. He's worked. has worked with him at uh, Leipzig. So, and he's obviously very respected in the game because he took Leipzig from, <coughs> you know, challenging for the Bundesliga. So whether he can work that in, I'm not sure. But with the Saints needing a centre back, and he fits the mould of a young player to to bring in, I think he could be a fantastic. You say he was there whilst Hasenhutl was there as well, yeah. so he knows him. Yeah. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Right, Spurs now coming on to Spurs. Um, they have made a signing and they have spent big, uh, having not spent anything at all last season. Undumbele, um, I think, is going to be a very good signing from something they needed in that in that position in centre midfield, but he's versatile. Um, Musa Dembele needed replacing as well. He's one of these players who can take the ball on the half turn and really go at defences and, and be quite a powerful presence for Tottenham. But he can also play on the wing, play number 10, play on the midfield. Uh, right back is a position that they need to strengthen Trippier's has gone to Atletico Madrid Aurier isn't everyone's cup of tea uh, that leaves Walker Peters they need they need a right back a lot of talk of the likes of Danny Alves and those sorts of players but I'd like, I like to see someone like um, Tottenham try and test the resolve of, of Wolves and try and get Matt Dirty who, who uh, Pochettino plays with really attacking fullbacks and they bring a lot and Doherty is probably one of the best, if not the best, last season in terms of attacking right-backs and contributions. Uh, and it'll be really interesting to see him and how he would fare at a club like Tottenham. Absolutely, and I think that if he can make that step up to a big side, that would be like, fantastic in his progression. I think, again, again, I agree that they need to sort out their um, defence with Trippier going, obviously... They don't have quite the squad depth at right back. Alderweireld has always been a case of will I go? I don't know. He's again, he's got a cheap release clause, so it could take anyone coming in for him to be off centre back. They, I think, should um, should go for maybe the likes of Koulibaly, as we were saying earlier. But if, again, if we're going to go for right back, maybe even maybe even Cedric from Southampton. He we don't know if he's going to stay, whether he's going to go, whether he's in the plans of Ralph Hasenhutl. Um he'd be good for them whether he can make the step up is a different matter he did go to Inter Milan last season and I think uh, or another one for right back if Tottenham want to go uh, further afield maybe Thomas Mernier he was linked to Arsenal at the start of the window so he's obviously keen maybe on going to English football I think most players are um, but yeah centre back and right back I agree is where Tottenham need to go for now Next team, Watford. They're a bit of a difficult one because you're not quite sure who they're going to sign. They have a very uh, cosmopolitan side, as it were, lots of different nationalities. Obviously, you know, Italian background, but they've got the Spanish manager. They're not sure where, where they, want, they want to improve. They've still, but they still rely on English uh, talent. They've got um, Will Hughes, they've got Troy Deeney. I think for them, they rely too heavily on Roberto Perea up, um, on the wings. And I think some, signing someone young and English like Harry Wilson, from, um, he was very good for, <laughs> for um, Derby last year, whether Liverpool would be willing to loan him out, because I think that's how it would happen. Yeah. Liverpool obviously see him as a very valuable asset in the future, so I don't think we'll, Watford will be able to get him on a permanent. But I think he could add uh, something else, because Watford, they start the season well, and then they seem to... Um, slope away a little bit as people work out Pereira and those sort of forward players yeah Pereira was, was lightning in the first few weeks of the season as well wasn't he they've got Delefeu looks like he might play up front for them even uh, I think 
Gracia did a fantastic job last season. You look at their squad and you think they could do with players in a lot of positions, really. The back line, no one stands out, but they're clearly doing a very good job there. It's, it's a boring one, really. And um, again, English player, I just think Holibas is their only option at left back. And I don't know how long he can survive in the Premier League. He's good going forward, not sure really defensively, picks up a lot of cards, a lot of bookings. Um, Kieran Gibbs is in the Championship, and he, he knows how to play in the Premier League. He's Premier League quality. Um, so I'd say for Watford, go and get Kieran Gibbs, because I don't feel there's someone that they really need to, somewhere they drastically need to change. And he would, he would just assure them, he's good going forward, but he's good defensively as well. West Ham, then. Uh, I mean, West Ham always need a striker. They've always needed a striker. <laughs> they like a certain type of striker. They've just signed uh, Haller, is it? From, yeah, uh, Sebastian Haller from, from Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Yeah. I was surprised that they actually let him go, uh, but that's on. That's for a different topic of conversation. Yeah. A lot of money, but I do like the look of him as a, as a forward, and I think he will fit the bill at West Ham, uh, which is a big statement because I don't think anyone has in a long, long time in that in that position. Although I still think they could do with another striker, um, and regardless of them signing him, I think Fernando Llorente on a free transfer. Tottenham are looking at potentially signing him back, but on reduced wages. So he's not, you're not going to be paying £100,000 a week for him. And he just gives you that option that you now no longer have with Andy Carroll having gone and with his injuries. He did so well with Swansea. He's experienced. He plays when Kane doesn't a lot of the time, and he still scores goals. I think he'd uh, I think he'd be a, a decent asset for West Ham. He'd want to play every single game with his age, but he provides something different. Yeah, Fernando Llorente, I think West Ham could on a free would be a good transfer. I completely agree, and I think Haller and Llorente would make a really good combination for West Ham. As you said, they're always after a striker. I remember uh, when they had the um, transfer window where they couldn't sign a striker and ended up re-signing Carlton Cole off a free <laughs> transfer. But um, for me, until they signed Haller, I was going to go all guns out for getting someone like Iago Aspas. He's yeah. a very good player. He's always been a quality, um, quality player for Celta Vigo. They're a side that seemed to struggle in the Liga despite having him up front. That was where Buffal and Who were last season. And despite having that quality, they still struggled towards the bottom end of the table. Aspas, I think he's one of those players that West Ham could get. He's very highly rated. Um, but I don't think it's quite out of, say, a lesser or a West Ham's reach. And, again, it's a striker that they need, and I think he'd work really well for them. And don't forget, he's got Premier League experience. He was at Liverpool as a number nine. He did score some goals, he just didn't quite get that regular opportunity there. Um, Last, but by no means least, Wolves, a fantastic season. You forget they've only been in the Premier League for one year. They've got really good players everywhere. I think potentially with three at the back, a centre-back... to add a bit more quality than the likes of Bennett, who did have a good season, uh, but just just trying to improve on the quality that you've got in places. However, I'm looking at attacking midfield because they seem to they're in Europe, so they need more players. But they've seemed to have loaned out the likes of Howard Costa, who I was going to suggest actually is a player for Burnley. Um, he's gone to the Championship, I believe, with Leeds. Caviero's gone, so now they've got Traore and they've got Yotta. They haven't really got anyone else. Um, and, a, and, and I think throwing in kind of a, a bit of a, a curveball, a bit of a luxury player, um, and maybe even you could say a bit of a risk, I think someone like um, Hatton Ben Arthur, who's, who's a bit of a throwback for the Premier League, who's got undoubted quality, just hasn't quite found the right team, um, or Zayesh who plays for Ajax and has, a, I believe he's got a release clause of uh, somewhere in the 20s, a million pounds, would be an absolute coup for Wolves and, uh, and would really add to the sort of flair that they've got up front. Absolutely, and I think they will need sort of that European experience. They're in the Europa League this season. They're going to need more squad depth. I think they will be all right, you know, the curse with the Europa League, whether they'll uh, be able to balance the two. I don't think they'll finish as high this season as they did last season. I mean, Burnley were sensational in that year that they managed to get to the Europa League, and then last season they sort of crumbled. But again, Wolves kind of have a bit more infrastructure and the connections to make those good signings. I think uh, you're right on the attacking midfielders, but for me... I think they're a bit too heavily reliant on Raul Jimenez. If he gets injured, they don't really have someone who can come in to replace him up front. There were games last season where he didn't play, and they were just quite toothless up front. And I think with their connections, now that 
someone like Juan Felix has gone into Atletico Madrid, I think Diego Costa would be a fine addition. He's got the experience, he's got the Premier League tenacity, he knows the Premier League inside and out. And whilst he is a bit one of the, he, he'll bring a bit of uh, charisma, a bit of a few, a bit of character to Wolves' side. <laughs> Definitely will do that. <laughs> and I think he's someone that Wolves could actually could actually get. There were rumours early in the summer whether he uh, would move there. Again, it might not happen because yeah. um, with Atletico Madrid selling Griezmann to Barcelona, although that one's been known about for you know centuries, um, whether he then is going to take. Um, striking position for himself I mean it's him, between him and Morata but I think Morata will take that and I think Wolves Diego Costa would be sensational for them yeah I think well, I saw that that transfer rumour um, and I couldn't really believe what I was reading if, if, if they, he hadn't been linked and you suggested that then I, I probably would have shot it down or, or laughed at the idea but if, if they could get Diego Costa the only thing is with that is if, you, if Wolves are signing Diego Costa then he has to start and does that mean they drop Jimenez, who had, was a fantastic season. I know they're in Europe, so they've got a lot of games to play. Do you play two up front with two big men and change the way that you play with Wolves? It's a really difficult one. But if you can make such a statement signing like Diego Costa, all of a sudden you're looking at being one of those teams that can definitely challenge to consistently finish in European places. And that would that would be that would be quite a sensational signing for them. But but Wolves, I think, have had a fantastic season. Um, and like you said, it's, it's about adding to the squad. And, and strength and depth for them if they're going to push in, in Europe, which I think they'll try and do. So we've now come to the end of the 20 Premier League teams. We will, in a couple of weeks' time, when the transfer window is shut, we will do another episode where we look at who signed who in total and what our Premier League predictions will be based on, based on that. Um, to end the episode, we have a couple of questions from people on Twitter. Hassan Tariq has asked, it's more of a Saints-related question, how many players do you think Saints need and in what positions? Callum, what would you say to that? How many more players do you reckon Southampton need? Um, we kind of covered it, and as we said, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll, we'll go into this in more detail on um, another, another podcast. Thanks, Tariq, for the question. Um, centre-back and centre-midfielder is what we need. We definitely need a centre-back. Although it looks like Samson's going to play two centre-backs rather than three this season, I still think Jan Bednarak is the first choice, and then Stevens, Yoshida and Vestergaard None of them have claimed a place. Yoshida's getting older. Vestergaard is hot and cold. Stevens, a lot argue, not consistently good enough. Um, Wesley Hoop, I think, is just going to get sold. He's, although he's come back into the to squad for pre-season. Centre midfield, I wouldn't have said. However, especially going to a, you know, playing with two in, in centre midfield. However, if Lamina goes, then we need a replacement. And I've said Phillips will be fantastic. Otherwise, you're left with Hoybier and Romeo. Um, and Ward-Prowse potentially, although I don't think he's physically good enough for us to play in the centre midfield too. So, so yeah, those two positions. I would have said um, someone who can play right back and left back as a bit of cover, but it looks like Cedric's back in in the on the scene. And he's and been left a good back a couple of times as well. Yeah, and Vokin seems to be coming through to fill in for Matt Target. Um, really, strike. We've, we've signed an attacking midfielder. We've signed Shay Adams. So I think going forward, we're in a good position, Southampton. So, yeah, centre-back and centre-midfielder, would you agree? Yeah, centre-back, especially for me, and I would have said right-back as well. There was the rumour of Wacky Myler coming, but um, I think if Cedric is now going to really fight for his place in the squad, then having a player of his quality back and with the determination to get back into the side, and um, it, it would depend on if Cedric were to stay or go. Now... Callum, this is a question uh, precisely just for, just for you. This is from uh, Colby List, and I think he's mistaken his Callum Wilsons here, but he's asked you, uh, are you disappointed that the Chelsea interest wanes? Do you have the right uh, mentality to keep going for Bournemouth next season? Um, not particularly, because Chelsea don't have... Chelsea can't sign anyone. So, um, yeah, if they signed Callum Wilson, then yeah, that would have been good news for everyone around Bournemouth sort of level because Callum Wilson is obviously a game changer for them he does share the same name as me but other than that we have no affiliation but uh, yeah yeah, I think he's, he's not going to there was a bit of interest in January they needed an extra signing up front they were even looking around the Andy Carrolls and Peter Crouches because they wanted a six foot whatever centre forward but Chelsea can't sign anyone so that might be in the back of his mind in the future when the transfer ban lifts but I've got no doubt that he's going to be 100% committed as all of that team are. That's, that's, that's the way Bournemouth are under Eddie Howe. They all do um, 
as they're told, really, all work into the same thing. We do have another question. This is from Martin Ingo, who's part of the uh, Southampton Hospital Radio. However, it's asking about the uh, predicting our lineup for the Saints home game, and I think that is a good opportunity to tell you that we will be uh, recording another episode soon for Kingsland Corner, which is completely dedicated to Southampton Football Club, and Martin, we will be answering that question in that next episode. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Under the Lights, talking everything football, everything Saints. My name has been Tom Murray. And I'm Callum Wilson. And uh, catch us next time. We will be, as we said, we'll be putting this, putting this out there. And then not too long after, there should be uh, one for Southampton Football Club, uh, one related to that. But as always, we, we've, had a, we've had a good response with some questions on, on Twitter. If anyone wants to get in contact with some more questions... Um, any feedback, any topics that you, that you think we should discuss. Obviously, we're going to go on and do uh, a Premier League predictor uh, in a couple of weeks near the end of the transfer window. But, yeah, m- my Twitter handle is uh, CallumWilson21. And mine is T214Murray. And you can get us there on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening and uh, goodbye. <laughs>